0: breakfast puppies
1: welcome to have movies will game the only podcast on the globe where we take you our friendly listener through the best and worst movies of yesterday and today and then discuss ways that you can play them at your gaming table In every episode, our intrepid hosts, Matthew, Dusty, and Nathaniel, will filibuster fondly over facts and feelings of your favorite films, and then get to the glorious gaming goodness, giving Game Masters great gimmicks on generating golden genius. Have Movies, Will Game, brought to you through the electronic wonder of the internet. Now, let's start the show! giant monsters man giant monsters and giant robots they are
2: this is the movie
3: i wanted transformers to be
2: i agree with you and Uh, it's 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 rock'em sock'em robot with alien monsters and what
1: movie is that voltron Yes, Voltron. (laughs) Voltron on Netflix, by the way, is amazing. Yes, it is. It is great. Pacific Rim. uh, Yeah,
3: we're doing Pacific Rim. And uh, as every week, I'm Matthew. And I'm Dusty. And I'm Nathaniel. And you are listening to
1: Have Movies Will Game. And spoilers. Ah, you got me. Spoilers.
2: (laughs) We frequently forget to say that. Until I think the last few episodes has been like 10 or 15 minutes into it. When we finally say, oh, yeah, by the way, spoilers.
1: Well, you know what? We're going to lead with that
2: shit. So yeah. Spoilers,
1: <laughs> and you need to go watch the movie because it's awesome.
2: It Pacific Rim is like the the 12-year-old that's stuck it in my head. Tickles it tickles like every,
3: everything that Matthew wants
2: in a movie. Yeah. It it's needed a little more TNA. Monsters. Mm-hmm.
3: It needed Giant a scary little more monsters TNA. versus and big badass robots. Perfect.
1: I think it was perfect without the TNA. I, I am glad that there was no TNA in this movie.
3: I'm a simple man of simple pleasures. And, <laughs> you know. There wasn't even kissing.
1: There was no romance in this movie. There, there was, was implied, implied romance. romance. No, I disagree. They had a nice, they had, they were bonded. Yeah, like, they, there was they, chemistry, yeah.
2: There was implied romance. For a bit. If
3: you're in each other's head and you're fucking, is that masturbation? But they weren't fucking. And it
2: or, is that, masturb- or is that that's just, just, that's just a fantasy? That's just is, a
3: or is that some sort of like fantasy, like ethereal soul bonding shit? What, what's going on there? Because if you're in the other person's head and the other person's in your head, and you're diddling each other's fun bits,
1: well, have you seen? That's Strange the thing days that stuck. That that I have because that happened in Strange. Yeah, days. Yeah, but I want to do it was without. Terrifying.
3: I, I want to do that without, say the the whole like bathroom scene in Strange Days. I, 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 mean, I do too. More, yeah. more consensual than Strange Days. I'll oh drink my to that.
1: God. Definitely.
3: But I'm really glad
1: that this movie did not have any romance. It didn't need it. I. So, are you familiar with the Bechdel test? No. Mm-hmm. The Bechdel test being... I thought it was Bechel. I, I call it the Bechdel test. It's We're going to go E-C-H-D. with him and not you on that. I hear it as
2: Bechdel <laughs> test from everyone that brings it up.
1: Well, everybody who brings it up forgets that there's a D in the word. Now, the Bechdel test is this test about whether or not a movie meets certain feminist requirements. Of Do the female characters talk to each other? And do they talk to each other about something other than the men? There, There's more to it than that, but it's basically a test of whether or not the women in the movie are actually interesting characters or if they're just there to empower the men. And then this movie came out and it didn't quite meet the Bechdel test because there were no other women. And yet it created a new spinoff, the Mako Mori test, mm-hmm. which uh, you know some, take it what you will some people might not agree that that's even a thing but her character was driven mm-hmm. did not really have any kind of leading you know inspiration to impress a man other than whooping his ass whooping his ass she she was definitely her own character and
2: there With was her no own motivations romance, but There was also, there was motivation to to make sure that that her uh, her the her father figure father figure thank you was impressed with what she was doing yeah but that's that's standard that's not a that's it, not a but it was a, less a, a matter of impressing issue. him and more a matter of being she wanted
1: to do what she was promised to do mm. not because she wanted to impress him but because he fucking told her hey no, i'm gonna um, let you do this thing she
3: she is she's a good character yeah oh yeah she is character. a
1: great character she is one of only what two women i think in the whole thing the other one being the russian who we know nothing about
2: That's uh, an npc
1: yeah that's a shame
3: now i feel bad about asking for tna but i'm gonna stand by it because i like tna (laughs) the russians the russians that they were so cool they were so russian very stereotypical russian i wanted to see more of their suit because it was a completely different design like this heavy like bell of a head and i just i wanted i think for what they were putatively supposed to have accomplished they kind of went down like bitches
1: well, no, them and the Chinese too. Yeah, the the <laughs> the three armed squad. Yeah. yeah, the the typhoon and Cherno, They both went down. Like, oh, we get them built up. Oh, these are these other, these and it's other one mecha. on one too. And then suddenly, it's not oh, like they were well
2: nailed by a wave of them. I they thought it was odd run. because the Russian, when they made a very distinct point to say that they had held the line for six years and never yeah. let any of the of the beasts get through for six fucking years, and then. One of them in Shinhai water, well, the ocean, all of a sudden <laughs> takes him down. And that's, yeah. that's one of my biggest problems with the movie is that is the fucking ocean. And I'll get to that later.
1: So let's bring this back. Mm-hmm. Pacific Rim. Dusty, lead us in. We've already been let in, but lead us in a good. Oh, I, no. I, I,
2: I,
3: I, I, I want to say something real sure, fast. Sure, please. Okay. The IBM XT green monochrome beginning, mm-hmm. followed by, like, hyper-futuristic stuff, fucking loved it
2: oh so did i like i i had that monitor i think we all did took me a second to realize what you were
1: talking about yeah so
3: like the very the very intro where they're explaining the jaeger and the uh cajun cajun
2: the kaiju 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 kaiju
3: kaiju Kaiju. but uh that that it was a complete departure from the the feel of the rest of the movie but it set a tonality that my generation is very familiar with we see that color typing in on the screen Mm -hmm. we it, it Trigger something in our hindbrain, and we know what's coming. We 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 get a feeling for the movie
2: already. Also, have uh, memories of like the Oregon Trail because that was on the load up screen. Oh, I was going
3: to go with like Space Camp, but Space yeah. Camp, okay. yeah,
2: yeah, Oregon Trail. Oregon oh Trail. God, two thousand and one
3: so stuff like that. Just that particular kind of monochromatic that bulky entry. lettering
2: yeah. that would go across the screen, Alien. The flashing. Yes, yeah. Alien. Yeah, yeah. So Pacific Rim, the movie we're talking about, it is pretty much. The 12 year old that's stuck inside my head, this is like his dream movie. It's giant, scary monsters versus big, badass robots. Yes. And it had a $200 million budget at the time. All CGI. Yeah, pretty all much all well, of it was CGI. That I was will so say that no, was, no, no, no. no, that no was really not all good of it. CGI, there was a lot that, w- that was actually yeah. practical. The um, the cockpit was practical. They made a, a one cockpit for all of the Yeah, of so the, two sets. <laughs> Uh, Plus, there was a lot of uh, miniature buildings that they made with 3D printers, and they had a very large, uh, like, a metal hand come through, and they went back with the digital guide you. Okay,
1: Okay. you say two sets, but they show the insides of Gypsy Danger, Cherno, whatever, Typhoon, whatever, and... Douchebag McGee's painting is an amazing yeah, thing, it, isn't but it? They because they be, all have so different color schemes. It was one that they, they did a really good job yeah. of dressing them differently for each
2: of. Yes, yeah. CDs. Every cockpit yeah. was it was every cockpit because that you see is yeah. one cockpit, and they redressed but it. For they did each a one. really good job. Every every background, with the exception of a
3: couple city takes before, was CG, and honestly, I, I could see it. Um, I could see the CG. The, it wasn't oh. as seamless as they they as it. Well, movie we came in the out in theater.
2: 2013, so yeah. some of the graphics are better now. I We've was, gotten used to what, it.
3: What version
1: did you watch? Because I watched the super I have 4K the one year
2: Plex. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. Well, I didn't pause on any of those things.
3: <laughs> I, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I didn't either. But I mean, I I, I, could I thought it looked pretty good. It. That
1: said, I, I also yeah. thought the Fifth Element looks really good, and <laughs> you guys proved me wrong on
3: that. <laughs> it 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 was good and it does hold up, but there was a couple things where it felt like video game cutscene. Where yes, it just, a lot of it, did. where it just changed. A and lot of the
1: problem with things CG got flat is and, lighting. Mm-hmm. One of the that's the main trouble it, with that CG. Is, it's making it look well lit, but when the whole thing is CG, you can get away with a lot more. All of the ocean scenes with the robots and all of that, because they were all CG.
3: And thankfully it always happened at night. Yes. It always happened always at night. Always happens
1: at night. Except there were a few flashbacks and some shots in the day, such as The Wall and Mako Mori's memory of That, that was fight. a great memory. But but all of those were shot in hazy
2: scenes. Yes. That that scene with with the the younger version of, of her that he was a great fucking actress. Cute. Yeah. You now the oh, the whole thing yes. that was a practical. None of that was CG. They put a, uh was on a hydraulic sound set so that every time the the, the kaiju went by, everything vibrated yeah. on on hydraulic. So it actually so the, the t- fires t- are real. Yeah, the <laughs> yes. frightened look from the girl are, are like she's actually scared because yes, sacrifice tell, for your
3: art, child. They didn't I, tell this her will affect when you in later life We're going all. to.
2: <laughs> They didn't tell her when they were going to, like, move everything. This
3: is why you shoot overseas whenever possible, because they don't have our laws, and you're allowed to terrify children. <laughs> that little girl was adorable. Yes. She
2: was amazing. And, and you, she
3: acted so well. The expression on yeah. her
1: face, it, it, she was really good. It was clear that, that she was in the moment, and I, I applaud you, little yeah. girl. Mm-hmm. I want
3: to talk about the opening montage. That told us everything we needed to know, and it was really well done. Yes, it, I mean, I, I'm, you having you I'm had had a the, go with the, that, the, I agree
2: the, with you on that because uh, go. <laughs> the, it's the history
3: montage, uh, displaying the probable reactions of humanity mm-hmm. and like the dirty end of it, the merchandising, you know, um, yes. the talk shows, the stuffed animals, everything the
2: that toys. we toys. It's going to happen with something like this. I, I thought that was actually,
3: happen. and I didn't appreciate it the first time around when I saw this, but as I, you know, I'm sitting down and I'm picking it apart for the podcast, I'm like. Mm-hmm. That's incredibly insightful. Did
1: you notice some of the headlines that were? Flown I did. By? Yeah, My favorite yes. one: kaiju excrement contaminates city. Yeah, loved it. Yeah, <laughs> and then, but at the end of it, okay, it was ruined by the narrator. It was ruined by the narrator. Was he, the fine- that the hero? Yes. He, you know what,
3: hero quote unquote, he unquote himself
1: yeah. was okay. He wasn't bad. However, the he last was line overshadowed the last line of his narrative. Then it all changed. No, it didn't all change. It just changed for you. Yeah. Your brother died. Oh fucking who? Your brother died. Guess what? Humanity's about to be murdered by these monsters. Then it all changed. Nothing changed. Only you did. And that was my one complaint with that narrative.
2: I my complaint with the narrative is that, that whole that it was it was good for what it was, but the whole narrative was a standard the world is is coming to an end. Trope. I mean, I'm tired every, of action heroes talking flat. Yeah, there's that too. Well, but, but, but it was. It was Charlie
1: Hunnam. It was. Oh, it's, it's used John over Rick, and over and over and
2: over again. And then even the last line, it all changed. No, we, in, in a world of John Wicks and John Wick spinoffs, fucking
3: <laughs> uh, be diehard. Okay, just well, be no, diehard. No, John Wick. The Rock is, great. is doing a diehard. What
1: movie. I love is that. Good. John, what I love is that John Wick was so minimal with what he said. I'm
3: just, I'm getting tired of it. I'm I'm really getting bored with a disinterested flat mail delivery and an action lead. It's fucking dull. It's dull as, it's dull as a bag of flaccid dicks. The opposite. So, bag of flaccid dicks. I just wanted to yell that.
1: <laughs> the other side to that coin is the overly hammed up Nathan Fillion who only works if it's Nathan Fillion but then everybody else tries to yeah, do it so okay. you're a PlayStation
3: person Matthew actually I'm an Xbox but I do have a PlayStation oh, I thought Go. you were
1: sorry have you played any of the Uncharted series oh god yes exactly that's what you get if you don't do the stoic male hero, you'll get the wise, cracking guy who's always got something weighty to say about everything. You're like, shut the fuck up. You're not Han Solo. Yeah. Stop trying to be him.
3: Every Speaking actor, of which, are we doing solo? <laughs> yes, we are.
1: <laughs> Every actor needs to find their own stride. Yeah.
3: Unfortunately, be Charlie, yourself.
1: Unfortunately, Charlie Hunnam's stride is. Jax Teller from Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. That's mm. all he can do. That's what he did in King Arthur. That's what he did in this movie. This movie was Jax Teller punching aliens.
3: Why is the Golden Gate Bridge such a target for everyone? Like I in, don't every, know. in every apocalypse movie, it's one of the first things to go.
1: Well, it's an American icon. Much yeah. the well, Statue So is the, sta- yeah. so the Statue of Liberty. But the
3: Statue of Liberty, like Mount
2: Rushmore, at Washington. Least, at least the Transformers know. did Hoover Dam.
1: Yes. One thing I will say is that the Golden Gate Bridge made sense because it was only Pacific Rim yeah. cities. Pacific
3: Rim yeah. being the name of the movie. Oregon, by the way, seems to have got off scot-free, which is one of the reasons I moved here. Just, because you know, giant robot. Well, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, nobody cares about the Oregon
3: coast. Well, I mean, you got military north, you got military south. Oregon, we're like, yeah. we'll attack the hippies after we take care of them. <laughs> you know? Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> so anyway, Pacific Rim. Yes, directed by Guillermo del Toro. Uh, who's also known for The Shape of Water, the Hobbit series, the Hellboy series, Ah. Han's Labyrinth, and Mimic, among others. I really like Del Toro's work.
1: You totally left out Hellboy. No, I said Hellboy series. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to cut that part
2: then. No, keep it in. That's great. Yeah, you're allowed to make mistakes too, yeah. buddy.
1: No, I, I totally misheard you. <laughs> I heard of the Hobbit series, and it's like, is he known for the Hobbit series? Or just one? I
3: know movie? you just got started, but I have to say something. Yes, sir. Do you know that in every space armor montage scene where be it Master Chief getting his armor right. on, whoever it is, it's always slow. It's always cool. There are three sixty pan shots, so you can see the armor. It's the coming Michael on. Bay of armor stuff. But you never Ever see the most vital connection in that armor? The diaper, the diaper, or the catheter coming on? And i th- i would have I would have loved it so I can't much. Laugh so hard if, I'll cough. If there was like uh, the tube approaching the groin, and then you pan up to the face, and you see, a, ooh,
1: <laughs> this and this would have been the movie where you would have expected it, because in many ways it was very self aware. Yeah, is it made fun
3: of itself a it couple did. times? Which this was is nice.
1: This is a really. Really, really stupid movie. But it knows. But it's it. a fun, stupid yeah. movie. It knows it and it owns it and it's awesome. Did you and it, it never
2: tried to be anything else. And when, that's so important. When you watched the armor, when they were putting, when they were putting them into their suits, did you happen to notice that this, the the spinal piece that they were they would hold to, and it was like clanking yeah. on its own and then it would go in? I thought that was kind of cool. I yeah, mean, it it just is. like this aware piece like wants to get into the suit. I I think it's a shock absorber. And, and oh. Stringer Bell had one when he put on the suit at the end too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was,
1: uh,
3: the anyway, you have to pee in a suit. It's <laughs> basically my point. And no one ever covers it, and it's
2: very important. It's an ankle bag. That's what they have. You
1: have to attach you know, what's it. what's funny is that you say this, and you have to pee in a suit, and you, you want people to cover it, but Chuck Wendig, who wrote the Star Wars novels that bridge the gap between Return of the Jedi and whatever bullshit Episode Seven was, and in it, he talks about space diapers. And it's one of the biggest complaints against the entire Star Wars series. is those stupid (laughs) fucking space diapers that Chuck (laughs) Wendig put in. Now, I myself haven't read it. I don't care. But you know what? Occasionally, I do wonder how they pee in
3: space. You do not want to clean out the fecal matter repository. So make sure, before you get into your Jaeger, take a dump. At least in Dune.
1: (laughs) He comes
2: right out and says it. Yeah, yeah. It's important.
3: (laughs) Just... (laughs) Like, uh, one of my favorite sci-fi authors, uh, John Ringo, covers it in extreme depth. <laughs> Some of the funniest stuff. And I just, like. I'd, I'd love to see a movie cover it. What's that? Give us that? an I example, like. please. Give us an example. Uh, it's, it's in the book, uh, Troy, it's in the Troy Rising series, which is fantastic. And it's about this uh, this new recruit coming in to join you know, the space force new
1: recruit or noob recruit noob noob fantastic yeah. it.
3: and it was this whole thing about how the instructor was embarrassed to tell her about it because he was a guy and she was a girl one of the few girls in the in the space corps mm-hmm. and um I, I don't have the joke on hand but i mean it's it's fucking good and yeah this part you can cut
1: i think that if the aliens were really this likely to attack us We'd also be more likely to come up with methods that didn't involve giant fucking robots. We oh, would static
3: have, defenses! Imagine a no line. We, yeah, it
1: would be remote controlled, if not drones. We'd come up mm-hmm. with something significantly less expensive than a robot the size of a city.
3: I I was going to say, just I mean, and we wouldn't. I actually Jack have this Teller this covered pilot in the game. <laughs> I in, in my game notes for this. All right. Um, but how I see it is like a, a vast network of, for, of fortress around the gate. You can walk right up to the gate. Did you know that? It's only like 30 feet high in the ocean there. I noticed that. So it wouldn't be that hard to sink a concrete piling around it and put a big-ass fucking gun on top.
1: Wait, 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 wait! 30 feet high? What?
3: Yeah, it was only shin height right up until they dove.
1: Well, okay, hold on. <laughs> that was way more than 30 feet. Now, to the shin? No, like the head was like 40 50 feet tall Did all you right see so 50 that?
3: 50 feet we can right, still sink so up high so the wall that was probably just like
1: 200 feet just the head so i'm thinking okay again i, I do think that they're
2: walking through the ocean thing was a little silly Yeah, because they were a mile out at least a mile out from the coast and that yeah. water is going to be a lot deeper tomorrow that said
1: hour. when they were finally when they dropped down to the to the gate mm-hmm. they were Deep underwater to the point that when they blew up the nuke near the end and all the water went rushing away, mm-hmm. I love that touch. That was I thought the all bubble. Water, yeah. Yeah. It, it, co- it expanded and contracted. Bad. Yeah. And they were deep underwater at that mm-hmm. point. It wasn't so no, many was feet high.
3: There was a lot of like really beautiful CD, CG touches in this. I like, agree. I, I like when I liked the dust flows and I liked how the, whenever there was an explosion or a crash through a building, it was dirty smoke. Like, it looked like when a building gets hit by a car, all this nasty-ass dust and shit shakes through, and it's thick, and it's black, and it's disgusting, and that was that was the cloud effects that they used, and I thought that was a very nice touch that brought me into it.
1: One thing I thought, though, this was to Charlie Hunnam at the very beginning when he was in the, the critical, pivotal scene at the very beginning with his brother. That was the year
2: 2020. No, it was 2013. No, 2020. no, it was 2020. 2020. Uh, the start of the movie is 2013. The start of the movie is 2020. The movie was released in 2013.
1: But no, it, he specifically said 2020. Okay. Well, it said it on the screen. Yeah. Ah, and then it's okay. five years later or something like that. Okay. Right, my right, mistake. 2020, right? And then five years had passed. And Hong Kong is still a bustling city. Now, that doesn't make any sense to me because... Five years had passed and we're talking about like one kaiju attack a month or more. All of the nations would have evacuated their coastal cities by that point.
3: Hong Kong, Kong has nowhere else to go. It's an independent nation when it was given back by the British. Hong it Kong, can't be well, reabsorbed well, into China.
1: Well, 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 we're talking about modern politics. We're not talking about politics where giant monsters are attacking the fucking planet. <laughs> Hong Kong.
2: They did, they did say they put aside all their differences. So, yeah,
1: all of those nations would have pulled their city. They would have evacuated the coastal towns. There's no reason for Hong Kong to have been a bustling, well-built metropolis that had already been stated had been attacked. You know, in
3: every, in every future that I see, the waterways are still important as a cheap way to move and import goods. Until you have transporter technology, the interior of a country isn't going to be as important as the exterior because it's cheaper to move shit that way.
1: I know, but it's no longer cheaper when all of your cities and buildings and everything is being destroyed in a blink On a monthly nine. basis. I, you know, they don't have
3: our building monster. codes. They can just throw them up a lot easier. It's, it's okay, fine. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I don't <laughs> think Hong Kong would have 3D been... printers. I mean, come on. I they just,
1: got it. I have a hard time bullying Hong Kong would have been as developed as it was showing. It showed no signs whatsoever of former attacks. And they had already stated that attacks were happening like oh, yeah. weekly Like not, Seattle was yeah. hit. No, because
2: there were some cutscenes of like... Down um, kaiju that were in the city, and they just put built the city. They kept building the city around all of those remains.
1: There's just enough.
2: It shows <laughs> the human spirit. There Nathaniel. are inconsistencies with it. <laughs> oh, there are a lot of inconsistencies with this movie, but we we know this. And we I want to talk about the movie, drift real fast. The drift. It was fucking cool, wasn't
3: it? Here's the thing: it's a blatant ripoff of Robotech's Thinking Cap that's okay that's that's, fine. that's, that's how you movie control it's not original and anyway i just wanted to say that the robotech's thinking cap looks a lot cooler it really does it's a pretty badass way to control a mecha and you don't need a partner so protoculture wins you know what else you don't nuclear need? fission does not
1: what else you don't need but the thinking cap what Brum! <laughs> Brum! That's, that's true you just fucking think thanks inception i was gonna and say the same thing you.
3: I really like that Round
1: noise I yes oh hate it. It I hate it I'm so tired of it yeah it's just what Hollywood uses when they want to create a privo- uh, create a pivotal moment the
2: well, it wasn't like, used, where's used the noise until coming from it wasn't I used like it until inception
1: it wasn't used yeah suddenly inception after inception everybody's like
2: commercials TV
3: yeah. shows music it exploded everywhere just for that reason because it's new it got old. Yeah, it, <laughs> no, real, no I, 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 I'm not disagreeing with your point. I'm just saying it's so rare that something new in sound effects comes out. Okay, and that that was pretty cool. To
1: we're me. all over the place here. We are. Let's bring it back.
2: Yes. So we talked right. about Guillermo
1: so del Toro. We <laughs> talked about... You know, 2013, what else you got for us, Dusty?
2: The screenwriter is Travis Beecham, who is also known for the sequel to this movie, Uprising. Haven't seen it? Let's not talk about it. We're not going to. And also the horrible remake of the awesome 70s movie, Clash of the Titans.
1: Wait, is that
2: the one with Bring Out the Kraken? Yes. (laughs) Unleash the the Kraken. And the lightsaber that's in Clash of the Titans. But it had Liam Neeson's. But it had a (laughs) lightsaber. Neeson's. But it (laughs) it had Liam Neeson's. It was a horrible lightsaber. Okay. Like literally they stole a lightsaber and gave it to Perseus. I haven't seen it because no, it's horrible. Because and so is the sequel. <laughs> There's As, a sequel? Yes, there is. Yep. Yeah, not gonna Nope, nope. And then the cinematography was uh Guillermo Navarro, uh who was also known for multiple episodes of the new Star Trek Discovery, which if you have a chance to watch it, it is beautiful. The Twilight series. You yeah. just lost me. Yeah, I know. Uh I am Workers work Man, sometimes you just have to pay the mortgage. I some. am number four. It was based okay, yeah, off of a yeah, book, yeah, yeah. and then the Hellboy series, Pan's Labyrinth, Zathura, A Space Adventure, Spy Kids, A Long Kiss Goodnight, which is one of my personal favorites. Wait, wait, wait. is that Spy Kids and then
3: The Long Kiss Goodnight, or is yes. that Spy Kids...
2: Spy Kids and the then Long Kiss, kiss. Good night. Right.
1: because The long kiss I, That movie I'd like to see. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, Spy Kids was actually fairly entertaining. Yes. I watched it as never saw it. Yeah. Because, uh, the, because Danny Trejo was in it and I wanted to. Fucking
2: Danny Trejo, man. I love that guy. Uh, the Long Kiss Goodnight, as I said, which is one of my personal favorites, and then another personal favorite from Dusk Till Dawn. That's some movie. solid chops. Yeah, he's got uh, got some good stuff. The so series is nowhere near. So, as so before good as
3: the I movie, go off on uh, on just random tangents again, why don't you give us some more
2: So some initially more folks? uh Taylor Kitchett of uh, Friday Night Lights, Aaron Taylor Johnson, who ironically had gone on to play in Godzilla. These names mean nothing to me. Aaron Paul, people? who was in Breaking Bad, and Luke Bracey, who was in the Point Break remake, were all considered for parts of uh Raleigh Beckett. I'm so out of it. They remade point break? Yeah, yeah, it was horrible.
1: I don't know any of these people, uh, but I know Charlie
2: Hunnam because of Sons of Anarchy. Did you watch? Ever watch Breaking Bad? Nope. Okay then. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård was considered for the role of Herc Hansen. I like him. And Tom Cruise was it was originally considered for the part of Marshall that went uh, ultimately to Idris Elba.
3: I'm glad because I don't think you can look up to Tom Cruise without no, Stellan.
2: Idris <laughs> fucking Elba yeah, is amazing. I, and I like Tom Cruise yeah. in some roles. I yeah, I like th-
3: marathons and movies about running, maybe about long distance running. What? <laughs> You'll get it eventually.
1: Sherry, it's of Fire. What? <laughs> I don't know. It's on.
3: an ongoing trope that Tom Cruise is only cast in movies where he has to run because that's his one really good uh, oh okay. physical expression of okay. acting.
1: Is where he runs really hard. But Ron Perlman.
3: Come on, Ron Perlman's
1: shoes. Perlman. Oh, the Ron shoes. shoes so he kept
2: the shoes. As he should. And then his wife had them melted down and turned them into like stiletto heels.
1: Wait, 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 wait. wait. Are we talking like real life? Yes. Roman's real life wife? Yes, life?
2: his real life wife. Are they still married? I have no clue. Because no. Yeah, he kept the shoes, the gold winged yeah. stirrup shoes. And then she took them and melted them down and turned them into high heels. Hey, Ron. Leave her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, those aren't yours. One of my favorite characters in the movie, played by Charlie Day, Doctor Newt Geisler. I liked his partner better. I liked him too. I just yeah. I, I I liked Newt because there's a lot going on with Newt that the movie doesn't really go into that you have to like if you if you do some digging you find out about like his parents are the ones that found out the the technology to 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 kill. The the guide you
1: now that's cool, but none of this is in the movie. We're talking about the movie. I, I do
3: want to talk about his partner. He was one of my favorite characters in the TV show Torchwood.
1: I yes. was just about to fucking say that.
3: Be faster, he boy. Was
1: so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh
3: yeah. my god! Like that whole. Sh- All right, sorry, Torchwood, his, his Torchwood Tor- moment, Torchwood guys. Set. If you haven't seen it, go see it. It's a Doctor Who spinoff. It's self-contained and it's so it's good. darker it's and much
2: it's darker, better.
3: Yeah. Well. It's better than some of it.
2: It's
1: better than all of Doctor Who, and it has, bite your tongue. It ha- oh, I'm sorry, Doctor Who is bullshit, <gasps> but Torchwood is amazing. What I love about Torchwood, well, you know what? Yeah. I can go off about how much I love Torchwood. Torchwood is amazing. Doctor, whatever Himmler, yeah. I forget his name. He is one of the main Hermann. characters, at least in the first two seasons of *Torture*. <laughs> Himmler, World.
3: he was
2: British. Not
1: he was nothing German. Gottlieb. Gottlieb. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe, yeah. Okay. That's a very German. That, name. No, no, no. You're right. I'm <laughs> wrong. With a limp, Yes. <laughs> no, no. No. A fake limp. Because well, yeah, of he course. was spry, climbing up yeah. and down that ladder, and then suddenly, oh, I need my cane. Wait, what? <laughs> anyway, he was great.
3: Oh, I thought he was fantastic, yeah. and I love yeah. that Torch actor. I want to see. I want to see more. Of him, he
1: took me by surprise when he yeah. showed up. I was like, oh, "It's yeah. him!"
3: Sorry, carry on.
2: No, no, you blew me out of the water. Actually, I don't. I'm not going back to that part. <laughs>
1: Glados like, was in this movie. Who's neither of you are video gamers? I am uh, uh, to I'm an extent. There's a the game, a wonderful game called Portal.
2: Oh yeah, I've oh, never played. Oh, I was going to
1: bring that up, and Portal has an insane, murderous computer system named glados Uh Mm -hmm. they got the voice actress of glados to play the voice of the computer in pacific realm
2: her name is ellen mcclain and she plays it
1: exactly like glados it sounds
2: nope nope nope, 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 they had to tweak it a little bit because of rights
1: well no, no no i'm sorry i'm a fan
2: I and know you're you a fan. You may say that
1: they tweaked it, but it was obvious to no, anyone it's, listening that that was GLaDOS. The
2: similarity is both undeniable and deliberate, but the but Del, Del Toro did change a few minor characteristics so it did not walk over portal even he though might, they he, even though they gave permission
1: he changed just enough to meet copyright requirements yeah so it's still
2: like but it was fucking glados it, yeah it is glados it's the same <laughs> woman anybody, yeah
1: anybody anybody who watches who is a fan of portal you listen to her talk and she speaks with the same cadence she has the same i always feel
3: so bad that i haven't yeah. played portal because it's such a part of like my end of video gaming culture, but I just,
2: I've never gotten around to it. Neither have I. It's, I've seen it. It's beautiful, but I've never gotten around to it. Yeah. You should
1: play it sometime. I have I, it. I, I have it. Yeah, just, just play it sometime. I won't speak any more about it. You should play it and experience it.
3: Okay. Yeah. All right. I like the recruitment speech where he's getting done with welding and he's, he's picked up by the helicopter. do you want
1: to die here do you want to die in a big fucking robot yeah punching monsters.
3: that makes perfect sense (laughs) to me it's like well let's see i could die as one of a faceless crowd of squishies or i could get into a giant fucking robot yeah it's a little old a little outdated and punch something in the snoot i I liked his answer punch something in the snoot life lesson always punch something in the snoot i do actually have a question for you specifically man
1: as our resident man of the sea Do you have any thoughts on that ship scene at the beginning?
3: Uh, The little fishing boat? Yeah. Yeah, no one has ever called the captain, sir, on a boat that size.
1: Okay. Do you have any thoughts about the second ship scene in the movie?
3: Uh, He couldn't have picked it up by the end without the thing snapping in half.
1: That's what I thought. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Man of the sea.
3: (laughs) No, I mean, a boat has to be very carefully supported before it's dropped in water or the thing snaps in half.
1: He definitely couldn't hit have hit it five times. No,
3: you couldn't have even picked it up. It would have been <laughs> nunchucks. <laughs> Which would have been kind of cool too. I could see that. <gasps> oh dear lord. Pacific Rim 3. <laughs> Turtle power. <laughs> We're going back, Michelangelo. But that was that was one thing that I was I was My wondering God. about in this in this movie is because they're obviously designed to have one power weapon. E- each different type of Jaeger has mm-hmm. one different type of power weapon, and everyone basically just punches beyond that.
2: Punches, throws, grapples. Why are there more the one power melee weapon. weapons? I disagree with the one power weapon because I love that
1: word, but here I'll hear you out.
2: Because they had the plasma cannon on her arm. Uh huh on its arm and then they had the sword so that's two power weapons that was unique though the every everyone should have gone into that with a melee
3: weapon ready you're going to be grappling with these things now if you're going up against
2: something that's much bigger and much tougher than you i don't know maybe a spear even a big ass stick. i i would have to go into that about knowing that the that getting that into that close quarters of of combat knowing that the arm robots spikes. are much slower than the guide you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would want to have something like a a very long pole arm. Yeah, Eat better something. than
3: elbow rockets. Even
1: Evangelion in that anime, they had knives. They had big ass robot knives that popped out of their leg. I yeah, mean, they should have had melee weapons. Like if if
3: I was going to fight these things in a giant mech, I would get a boar fighting spear, which is you know you poke it in the end. And then it comes up to a cross guard and they can't push along the spear at you. And then you just charge up whatever your weapon is and blow it all to shit.
1: If I was going to fight these things, I wouldn't do it with manned robots. I'd do it with drones.
2: (laughs) And I wouldn't do it in the ocean either. Well, there's no people there.
1: That's probably the best place to fight them.
3: That's literally the best place to fight them. Shut up. I wasn't thinking. (laughs) I would go with satellites with mass drivers. Oh, look, we have a problem there. Fucking the slug of depleted uranium right. comes down through the atmosphere and
1: boom! Nope, not even that. Let's just drop a fucking anvil from space.
3: Mm-hmm. Boom. Yeah, everything around it is vaporized. Fine. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that doesn't also make for much of a movie beyond like Duck Hunt, which we expect <laughs> in 2020, probably <laughs> as they're running out of video game franchises. Oh, God.
1: It's going to happen too. You know
3: it, yeah. There was the emoji movie. I, I, I think Duck Hunt is a very real possibility, and I want writing credit.
1: And they're going to bring in the Duck <laughs> Dynasty guys too, because oh they God. have to. Because that's how we are now. Thanks. If this ever survives to a future generation, <laughs> if this podcast is one of the last surviving relics of humanity, I'm sorry for Duck
2: Hunt, the movie. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm sure if you go out on YouTube, there's probably a fan film called Duck Hunt.
3: I want to go on record as saying Mako Newton Herman are the best actors outside of Ron Perlman, which I didn't put in because he only had a bit part.
2: Ron- yeah, Ron Perlman. Yeah, he doesn't have a big enough part. I That's mean, I love him, Elba but great. It's he, just Elba. He
3: he was, but he didn't. He didn't strike me as a PC either.
1: Well, that doesn't, you don't have to be a PC. I don't think that uh, Herman and whatever were PCs. I I do, actually. I I just
3: think they were the scientist type in the game I'm thinking of.
1: Okay. Well, if you're going to make them PCs, then we got to make Stringer Bell and the the Australian slash Irish accent kid. Oh,
3: I know, right? Where they kept (laughs)
1: flipping back and forth. They also have to be PCs. I could just
3: cross that one right off.
1: Because NPCs don't make heroic sacrifices in an RPG, that's a PC's role. Yeah. But. I think that Stringer Bell was actually, I keep calling him Stringer Bell because of the wire, but Idris Elba was amazing in this role. And my favorite moment, my absolute favorite moment of him was when he gives Jax Teller the dressing down and Jax, he basically makes him call him sir, but then he turns his head. Oh, yes. Yeah, points just, at his ear. It's like, said it in my yeah. ear, motherfucker. But he doesn't say it. He just points.
3: He does. It he does. So angry, good. barely, he's barely a, leashed rage, exceedingly
2: <laughs> he's, well. He's got a good role for intimidation. He he does. His
1: facial expressions are minimal, and they tell everything you need to know. He can just yeah. simply twitch an eye and slightly curl a cheek. Yeah, he studied the like the yeah. Jeremy Brett school of acting. Yeah, he stringer uh, idris elba (laughs) you you have to watch the wire he is a character named stringer bell Mm -hmm. and
2: he's amazing
3: i like the oh your scars are so sexy looking through the doorway oh you saw me run (laughs) oh my
2: god that was horrible this is my room (laughs) the, the, the good thing with that was i mean
3: so like when we say there was no there was no nothing beyond like platonic back and forth. I I don't think that's necessarily true.
2: Well, even, even in master and commander, we talked about that longing look, you know, from the captain to the, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, to the, to the native. And then there was nothing after that. So the stories though, but the, the pilots, the smaller stories of the pilots actually make the bigger point of the movie, which is that, We're all together in the same robot, which is this is kind of what I took from the movie. That the robot is supposed to be life, and either we get along or we all die. I'm done with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay,
3: I don't, I don't like the drift itself because I don't see why it's necessary. I I kind of anyone else. I mean, it's it's a good storytelling. Yeah, it's a good plot movement,
2: but like as as a writer, also I I just don't don't see a logical reason why there are too many questions that come in with using a device like that, and you don't have enough screen time to explain how it works. Now, in a novel format, you could go into like the science behind it, sure, but in a movie, it's like in Looper. Uh, I mean, we're 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 upright bipeds. Yeah, Looper using half of that is gonna throw you, Looper. There's a there's a part in Looper where um the younger version of Bruce Willis's character says time travel, how did we figure that out? And the the way they got, the writers got out of that was Bruce Willis replying, it, "Uh it's science, don't worry about it." That's how they got got around that. That's kind of something that would be done for this movie, but I would like to see the background with that.
3: I would too. It's actually a fairly interesting world. It reminds me, I'm sorry again, of John Ringo's Into the Looking Glass. Um, which is gates open and giant monsters pour through in waves. Okay. Um, and that's all it is. And it's great. Uh, it's they, they explore a little bit of the things that he also explores in his novelizations. And it's, it's actually a fairly rich ground mm-hmm. to explore, especially when you're dealing with not only alien, but extra dimensional, which I, they use the word dimension twice. So I'm not, I'm not going with far away in that direction but at a tangent in that direction with our own space time
2: yeah so and if you could see matthew's arms one was going up yeah. one or the other
3: um and it's uh I, <sighs> I they did that with a couple lighting effects when they went in there so you could see it was a different dimension everything was hazy and everything had light flare but um i i, I like that the aliens aren't just from far away in the universe that they are, because you can tie a lot into that You can. if you want to play with extra dimensionally. And they mentioned that that they were here before with the dinosaurs.
2: But and, that, and that, that we've can, basically terraformed our planet for them.
3: Yeah, but conditions weren't right for them at that time. So, I mean, that that actually gives you a long history to play with and a rich, fertile ground to fuck around with, which I really
2: like. And if you look at the subtext with that, it's very apparent where Del Toro was going. It's basically, we're fucking our own planet up. Stop doing that. And he did it so subtly. Yes, very subtly. <laughs> that was a little ham-handed. Yeah. That was kind
3: Rah. of that. <laughs> um, that was like that was like fucking Ferngully politics.
1: Right oh, it was God. pretty bad.
2: Yes. One thing that I, in rewatching this, Tim Curry should have sang a song. You're right. <laughs> For this movie, that would have been great. <laughs> what? It's just Ferngully. It's not perfect. Don't dream it. Be it. <laughs> Not that song. Rewatching this movie, I one thing that, that that bugged me was that if if the if the pilots are supposed to be uh, telepathically linked, why did they have to yell to each other what they, what they were doing? Other than I mean, shh, <laughs> don't look behind the curtain. <laughs> no, I mean there's a lot of it, but it was. Maybe giant stay, robots hitting giant monsters, maybe and staying okay. focused or military background, I could maybe you see you know, I know I
3: agree it, but th- if you have a telepathic link, then all of a sudden language becomes irrelevant, yeah, it just becomes irrelevant, you don't need it anymore,
2: and if you're you're linked, you mean you're going to know what you're yeah what
1: the yeah, other's yeah. doing, Hold on. but what if that link is analog? Oh, I
3: know, right? That thing was fucking digital all the way. <laughs> she's analog. No, she's not. <laughs>
1: no, no. Shut up, Jax. Tell her. You do not know anything about anything. They
3: should have <laughs> just gone with old, and we used a lot of lead paint on her, and that shielded <laughs> from the EMP. That, that thing was not analog. My no. point.
1: My point with that being, it's movie logic. It's yeah, yeah. Sort of giant robots.
2: Analog monsters. with holographic screens in front of in Oh, front yeah, of yeah. yeah. So, like...
3: When I was busy yelling at the at the screen after like the sixth fist fight, going, "Why is there no Voltron sword?" They pull out the Voltron sword, and that made me very happy.
1: When I saw this movie in the theater, that moment made me squeal with excitement. When the sword came out, I was like, "God, yeah!" And people sitting around me looked at me like I was weird. It's like, "Fuck you! This
3: fucking sword!" You I'm know, happy. I got something to say about movie swords, and I'm, I'm gonna i may have said something similar in the past so i'll okay, keep it I w- concise
1: i will preempt you here and say that that wasn't really a sword <laughs> that was, it some was just sort a blade of
2: it was like a, a chain sword blade. they called it yeah, yeah. And they just it just interlaced back together i don't itself.
3: understand why why beyond looking cool why depleted uranium pour it into a mold put an edge on it stab the thing
2: that is unnecessary. I want to know why they, I mean, I know why they dumped it for story effect because it, it froze one of them or part of them. Why they. That was venting gas. They the don't, no, they don't. know. I know. But they also dumped all their coolant. Yeah, they should have gone into meltdown like right then, right? Yes. Have There's, you ever run an engine without antifreeze? It gets real hot, real fast. Yeah, wind.
3: Uh, there's a kg fight. They're in the ocean. It's with the with the right, wings. They're a, a, right the,
2: on it, and the
3: tails nailing them. Oh, the tail yeah. mouth. I think and they he's
1: dumped like, all their coolant because they were vastly underwater in the frozen depths of the ocean. No, it was, no, in, no They were above. above the they were they were in air. Really? Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. They, and
2: they were using Dump it as the coolant. a coolant thing. And it froze it, so they could
3: crush it.
1: All I gotta say is... Movie v- logic? Giant monsters <laughs> punching <laughs> there you go. robots and vice versa.
3: The desk toy was nice. What is that thing called? It has like an old philosopher or scientist's name, the balls that you drop one and the other one goes. And it's a desk toy from like the oh, early 90s. Uh, the Duton's testicle. That, yes. Yeah, well, not testicles, but- <laughs> but I like that better. Yeah. I love that. That, that was a good moment where yes. the, the, the arm is smashing through the office block. Everything, 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 everything. And then beep.
2: that that scene right there was all practical. That okay. was all done on 3D printers. And then they brought in this big metal arm type thing to go through everything. And then they just went in and digitally made that That, that was arm. very nice. Yes. And
3: as with most things, when I see a practical effect, I love it.
1: So much of the movie logic happened in the scenes where the doctor brain merged, drifted with the kaiju brain, and it just showed this vague scenes of things, and suddenly the doctor knows everything. I've seen this movie now five times, and I've actually pored over those, those drift I scenes. I pause, yeah. too. I tell not sh- you nothing. Yeah. Nothing at all. It's suddenly like, okay, I've connected. drift drift drift. scene 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 flash 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 now i know everything wait what how what how
3: okay whatever whatever robots
1: punching monsters there was no thing of
3: like them marching up to the gate it was just it was too vague i'm
2: kind of curious on how ron provins character drifted with the break because he he alluded to himself doing that also and that's why he with it with his eye remember when he went to go see him and charlie day's character he admitted that he had drifted with it and then he said later on because i've done it too did he yeah
1: i don't remember that i don't remember yeah. that
2: and that's why when he pulled down his sunglasses that's you a see scar his, it goes i know his... because well because he looked at charlie day's eye and he could see that it was all that's what when it, when it was all messed up he said you 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 connected with it And that's when he went on that tangent of you asshole. That's a hive mind. Why would you do that? They're now searching for you. And then he turns and he pulls pulls his glasses and he said, "Because I tried it also." I'm just. Did he say that? Because I'm cutting. Remember that line. How did you guys miss that? Because I don't think it happened. It did. I watched it today. No, it was it was a scar like that was a knife wound. That wasn't a. And he said, "Because I tried it also." But I, how, he didn't. But have he the didn't. technology. He yeah, didn't. that's what I what, what I'm wondering about, how he drifted. If the it, it,
1: I don't think he did. I think
2: when we'll, we we're done, because I still it, have it up on my crazy. laptop, yeah. we'll we'll go back and watch that that scene. Yeah.
3: I like it when uh, the the son calls her a bitch, and he stands oh, yeah. up for her honor. I thought that was unnecessary, especially since she's already proved she's the better fighter. But I, I I found that completely unnecessary that he stands up for her honor and does the fight fight.
1: I did not expect Aussie Irish guy to be to die. Yeah, when I first watched the movie, I was glad he did. I, well, yeah. Oh, the kid—he was a douche, but I didn't expect it. I totally, at the very beginning of the movie, when I first saw it, I saw Stringer Bell and it's like he's going to die. I saw the old man and thought he was going to die, and I immediately thought, "Who's going to take care of that adorable bulldog?" But I totally expected the kid to live on and we carry on the legacy and the old men to kind of, you know, do the whole old ass cowboys going
3: into the rift. I liked, uh, I liked that nothing, nothing happened with his, his father afterwards, after his kid's dead, like no discernible emotion didn't really seem all that torn was, up about it, it did you did
2: you catch the subtext with uh, between you know the father the son of the dog did you happen to catch that at all since you brought the up the dog Max. beyond the, the patch uh no the dog actually served as a as a uh, a conduit between the father and the son because they had such a uh, hard time emotionally dealing with each other but they both I love the dog so much. Too much credit. I like no, it. No, I'm actually, the screenwriter... It's, it's, it's an old Whoa, Shakespearean no, ploy. The screenwriter even talked about using the dog as a conduit for the father and son.
3: That's too much. It's an old Shakespearean ploy. You have a bit with the dog. It's its,
2: it's, it's, a, it's, it's a trope okay. from the 1700s. Well, I understand <laughs> that, but it was neat to see. I liked it. 1800s? It's a trope from
1: whatever, and this is robots punching monsters. Just saying, Matthew.
3: (laughs) That's what I'm saying is that we're looking for too much meaning in there. I think he cobbled that together afterwards. You know what
1: the screenwriter said? It, whatever. Yeah, you know,
3: I'm full of poo. Because it was an adorable bulldog, and I I didn't get enough Ron Perlman. I was like, I I even wrote down Ron fucking Perlman! Exclamation point. The credits. No. And then, you Ron Perlman,
1: no! You didn't watch through the credits?
3: No, credit. because we were supposed to be doing something else afterwards, and I immediately shifted over to that.
1: But have you, you've you seen it before, right? Yeah. Did you watch it through the credits? No, it's
3: not a Marvel movie. Why would I?
1: Because Ron <laughs> Perlman has a scene at the
3: end of the credit. Ah, fuck, we'll be right back.
1: <laughs> he basically carves his way out of the body. Atta boy. Pops his head out and says, where's my goddamn shoe?
2: His <laughs> wife got it. Don't take yeah. it down. Yes. Uh, I'm
1: sorry. Did sorry, you know
2: Ron. that uh, 100 Kaijus and 100 Jaegers were designed, but only a fraction of them actually appeared in the movie? Every week, the filmmakers had held a vote for their favorites, and of and, uh, the crew and everybody involved, those that, that had the higher votes, were put in the movie.
1: I, 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 I like it's that. It's a shame that the ones that they put in the movie didn't even get enough backstory. The Russians. You see the Russians, like, three times on screen, and then they die. The Chinese, amazing. I want to know more about
3: their technique. I want to know more Especially about Especially in a two-hour and 15-minute long yeah. movie. Yeah. You had the time.
1: You had the time. You spent all of it on Jax Teller and Mako Mori and Stringer Bell. Yeah. But what about the rest? I wanted to know more about them. Maybe, I liked maybe a couple Netflix scenes. Maybe Netflix do a series.
3: The, the oh, Destroyed God, City and The Little Girl's Red Shoe. That's good storytelling. That is. That's, that's like the Red Balloon-style
2: storytelling. That's good stuff. I have a question for you because you're oh. you're really big into it. What did you think about the foley for this movie? Um, or the sound. How just, much of it was foley? Well, just the sound in general.
3: I, I mean, I I really liked the uh, the into the bathtub sound.
1: Foley is pretty much all sound added afterwards that creates the scene. Yeah, so.
3: but a lot of it wasn't like Foley foley. A lot of it was oh, your yeah, computer yeah. generated sounds. I mean, honestly, I I listened to it with big ass speakers. It sounded great. I I didn't have any complaints. Um, Yeah.
2: The sound of the roars was comprised of multiple layers of animal roars and growls that had been filtered, sped up, and then slowed down to create this, like, alien behemoth sound. And then to add emotion and a sense of intelligence, the supervising sound editor Scott Gershon and Del Toro added samples of their own voices of screaming.
3: (laughs) All right. I have a question. Why doesn't his escape pod have die markers? have what? dye markers. I don't know what those are. When her escape pod surfaces, a green dye goes out into the ocean. Ah! Okay. When his escape pod surfaces, fuck him.
1: Well, when <laughs> I mean, hers the guy. surfaces, we see it immediately happen. When his surfaces... It was malfunctioning, to, that's
3: true. It's yeah.
1: malfunctioning, and time is spent with her swimming over there. I, the die could have
3: popped up. No, nah, because hers was still there. Okay. I still need... Thermonuclear resistant die markers. <laughs> okay. it's just <laughs> We're running
1: long on this, guys. Do you have any last words for the movie segment? Die markers. I'm done. Okay, die markers.
2: uh Dusty. I, I had some history for the for the uh the World War II nod to the Jaeger, but I'm not I'm not gonna go into it. Panzer Jaeger. Go on.
1: And today, my friends, is our independence day. It it
3: the cadence was exactly the same.
1: Yeah. I just Oh, I just felt it coming. Anyway, let's take this to the gaming table.
3: Okay, we'll be right back. I got to pee.
1: This very special episode of Half Movies, Will Game is brought to you by our hosts this week. Uh, we've spent the entire weekend here at the WagonCon convention, my new personal favorite convention of all time. And we have with us right now Aaron Bowman, who hey. is one of the directors uh, and hosts of this convention. And Aaron...
4: Tell us a little bit about how WagonCon got started. Actually, WagonCon started at GameStorm. We were driving home down the gorge, Matt Buckley, who's one of the other uh, co-chairs of this convention. And we were just talking about the amazing gamers that we actually have in our community. But a lot of them, due to circumstances, work, or money, could not make it to GameStorm. So I planted the seed in Matt's head. That's my job. Uh, to say, hey, man, we could do our own amazing convention in the Dalles. And he was like, kind of brush me off. Matt's a good brush off kind of person. So he's like, yeah, dude, sounds good. And he drove. A year later, Matt calls me and is like, I've got this amazing idea. We're going to do a con in the Dallas. And it's like, you son of a bitch. I told you a year ago we should do this. But that's kind of the genesis of how the convention started. And then we got other great people aboard. And it's just been three years of awesome.
3: Nice. This is my first year here. And I've just been introduced to it by uh, Nathaniel, old NPC here. Um, I had a blast. Awesome. And there is all kinds of fantastic swag here. Yes, um, heck yeah! What what do you see uh, going forward in the future? What are what are your plans for the future
4: of the con? Tomorrow we're all gonna die <laughs> and we're gonna sleep for like a week uh, each year we seem to grow by 25% mm-hmm. and what's great is we do no, no advertising whatsoever it is all word of mouth it is all awesome gamers talking to other awesome gamers that's kind of what our convention is about super positive we don't do jerks uh, like I said we have a rendition policy people disappear from our convention if they're jerks uh, you know we um, so we try to keep that going so for next year Super positive, awesome gaming people. Um, We're going to expand as we always do. We've brought on two new board members this year, which is exciting because we had the same three people kind of doing it for the last three years, and we're all really burnt. Uh, Yeah, yeah, you know, something this big and you only have three people doing it, you kind of want to have some new blood. And the two people we got are phenomenal. Uh, So we are going to expand in new, amazing ways. And we're excited about Mm -hmm. it. Yeah.
3: I've also, like, in in concrete terms, I, I heard a rumor about maybe a stage next year
4: is that Um, that a thing uh, it's not more than a rumor we're putting it out to the universe and we're making it happen that's how this works I like that
2: so uh, this is my first time here so thank you I've really enjoyed it it's great to see so many gamers in a a good place all getting along so well and having fun so thank you for for everything oh man great to have you those that aren't uh, have never been to this con or or don't know much about it or they're, they're also learning through word of mouth uh, if they want to get more information on WagonCon, where would they where would they go on the
4: interwebs? Or yeah, great question. Two different places. We have a great Facebook presence. It's kind of the quickest, easiest way to update people on what's going on. But also, we have wagoncon dot com. It's how you buy your tickets. It's how you purchase your swag and everything. But we do a lot of updates mm-hmm. even throughout the year, not even close to con. To just kind of keep. We always like to keep convention goers involved. We want them to feel a part of it. Uh, so we're always like, hey, here's a picture of our board meeting, and we get like 60 likes for a picture of a board meeting. That's how cool these game- <laughs> yeah. convention wow. goers are. Well, I don't they're, they're just Congress like, Sweet, that. sweet <laughs> your <laughs> planning. Yeah, so it's just awesome. Yeah, Facebook or WagonCon.com. Excellent. Yeah, That's good. And if you want to send us an email, which we get a lot of this, it's WagonCon at gmail.com. So send us an email if you have any questions. We're really quick about replying. So. Well, thanks again for hosting us and letting us come here. Take up
1: a whole lot of space. Oh yeah, you guys! Thank you so much. It's Um, been amazing. You've had an amazing weekend. Love having you. Well, let's bring this movie to the gaming table.
2: Dusty, tell us about the characters in this movie. All right, we're going to start off with Charlie Hunnam, who plays Raleigh Beckett, the scrappy pilot who has the lost his brother in the early part of the movie and has to come back and give it another another college try.
3: <laughs> Are we doing alignments?
2: Yes,
1: lawful good. Charlie Hunnam? Yeah, I think he's chaotic. lawful good. I would say chaotic. Guy. I didn't see him break any rules. Well, no, no, he didn't necessarily break any rules, but he was he was <sighs> This is going to be tough for me. I didn't really get a sense that he followed the rules so much. I think that the writers kind of wanted to brand him as something of a wild child. You can't
3: do that, Maverick. Fire. You just can't buzz the tower. He
1: was basically Maverick and a giant robot. Yeah.
3: but
2: I don't
1: know but about
3: that. that it's, you can't get away from that because it sells. But as as the character in the movie, despite what I'm used to the character being, I didn't see him disobey, no, he
2: didn't he i got, he, he was got, on, he was also outer bound
3: yeah i I didn't see him like he went out and he continued to do what work he could on the wall after he was unable to work in a Jaeger. He kept working towards his goal in whatever way he could, and then he came back
2: he did disobey orders to save that boat yeah but that would that ethos. would drop him into a different alignment category that's like a one time thing
1: again this is the failing of the dungeons
2: Dragons. i mean unless he was to some... stab someone or right, kill them i would
1: still sit, call him scrupulous then i would put him as unprincipled scrupulous uh okay i'll go with scrupulous he was scrupulous which is like neutral good
3: yeah but i mean honestly in in pure anD i'm gonna go with lawful good he was he was the, the protagonist, which is mainly, and he was he was an everyman type.
1: He frequently broke ranks in order to do what he thought was better. So I'll say neutral good.
2: All right. And I went with lawful good. I agreed with that. Okay. Then we have Idris Elba playing Marshall Stacker Pentecost. Neutral good. Lawful good.
1: If not lawful neutral. He was all about order. He did not do... Any, he he rarely broke out of that order and when he did it was only because he had this let, let's just say his protege that he wanted to protect or in some way enable he was lawful
2: uh Which i'm gonna you know what law. i'll i'll change yeah you're yeah. right i think i'm gonna go with neutral good no
1: i I will say lawful good, but not neutral. He was all about order. He was the most orderly no, you're person right. in the whole fucking movie. Yeah,
2: yeah. I'll, I'll change. But he was doing the best that he could do with the given circumstances.
3: You
1: know, he worked in the. <laughs> My system.
2: telling moment with him was with the
3: boat. There was no reason for them not yeah. to rescue the boat.
2: But he but, told them not to.
3: Yeah, but he told them not to. And then when they were already there, he had them bring it back, which. He was finally like. <sighs>
1: Okay, grab the boat. Let's yeah. go. I
3: think yeah. that was the telling moment for alignment with his character.
2: Yeah. And you're right. that is That was a lawful good move. I think if okay. he were
3: neutral, he would have told them to go for the
1: boat initially.
2: Yeah. 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 All right. Then we have Rinko Kikuchi as Mako Bori. Neutral good. Uh,
3: you think? Why? Because this is the one that I think law. Like, she took his word every time. She was obedient. But she bucks against it. She bucks. She, she. Your feelings are irrelevant. Your actions are what matter. It's not. No,
1: it's your feelings that
3: matter. Oh, God. I'm fucked. (laughs) She was. I just dropped into neutral evil people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no that can't be right i yeah. have to take a stand you against can't, that you because if it ignore, is i'm fucked
1: no it's a mix of both you cannot ignore the feelings oh it's a shit. matter yes, of how you can you, you have to oh,
2: oh darn. it's how you
1: feel versus how you act and you have to balance between them
3: she she heavily bucked against. i wake up authority. each morning playing praying for a meteor i have to believe that the feelings don't matter <laughs> she didn't so much conform to authority
1: as she conformed to him, that was like he was her guidepost, Idris Elba.
3: I see what you're saying, but I don't know that I agree with it because of her interactions on every with everyone else. A lot of bowing, a lot of, uh, I mean, some some of that's cultural, but I mean the culture that she it was putatively, you know, coming from is a very orderly, lawful okay. culture.
1: Oh, okay, I'll go with lawful good. Okay. Yeah. She's definitely good. Yeah, I mean, that, no that's question not, that's about no it. Doubt. The lawful and the neutral, somewhere in between. In 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 palladium, I'd put her as scrupulous as well. Yeah,
2: yeah, okay. And then we have Charlie Day as Newt Geisler, and I'm going to say off the bat, chaotic neutral. Wait, oh, wait. which he neutral? Was, he was the, the he was mind meld Mind meld yeah. yeah. Chaotic, good. Chaotic, good. I'm going to say yeah. neutral. Yeah, I'm with he, he did his own thing, and he wasn't. He was wasn't going. That was, he was a going against the moment. rules, and he was going against everything else. He did but, his. But own why was thing. he doing it? For the greater good, but there he still went against all the rules. That's, that's why he's chaos. chaotic. But that's the not good. The, is the good is the intention?
1: Good. The chaos is the method.
2: All right, we're making a sign.
3: Yeah. We're just going to make a sign <laughs> and we're going to post it right there of what the D&D definition is <laughs> And we can put Palladium right next to it. Dusty, where's
1: was the last time you read the D&D Alignments? <laughs> it's
2: been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while since you read Alignments. And because honestly, the games that I get involved in, it <laughs> never really fucking comes up. You are the only GM that I have ever underscore italicized bold neon that shit all the way around. Blinking font with sparkly yes, letters. Yes, say, is there <laughs> <a> hyperlink? <laughs> that brings in alignment. Only if the game enforces it. Most so,
1: games, like Savage Worlds doesn't have alignment so just fucking go wild. But D&D, you get alignments you know, yeah, you stick with it.
3: And then we have Burn
1: Gorman.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Sorry. Herman Gottlieb.
3: My favorite character. And some amazing
1: acting. Honestly, lawful good.
3: Yeah. Yeah. He believed in the true word of mathematics. Yep.
2: I can agree with that. Yeah. There we go. All right. And he stood by his friend. So definitely. Which is always good. Yeah. Probably one of the best last names ever. Max Martini as Hercules Herc Hansen. (laughs) Lawful good. Which one was that? That was the the dad. dad? That was the dad. Very lawful good.
3: Yeah. Especially with the apology scene. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. He was doing his best to clean up after his son's yeah. fuck ups. And then his son,
2: Robert Kaczynski, played Chuck Hansen. Yeah, yeah, good. He's
1: All a right. dick, but he had his, uh, that he doesn't had his make heart him in evil. the right place yeah. in the end.
2: Yeah. yeah. And then we have to bring in the ra- the great Ron Perlman as uh, Hannibal Child. I got to
3: say. As much as I love fucking Ron Perlman, and I much as I love the character, that was that was a vendor quest giver. Oh yeah,
2: that that, that was, a that, was an, yeah. that was an NPC. I but I loved I loved his line. I got my name from my two favorite people Hannibal <laughs> and the and the Chinese <laughs> restaurant down on the street. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good.
1: Honestly, as a GM, you still give your NPCs alignments if you want them to be interesting. And for him, I would say chaotic neutral. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah.
1: or no neutral straight fucking neutral true neutral I don't he was know, man. not chaotic in any way he had a system he had his methods yeah he wasn't crazy he wasn't nuts he wasn't disorganized he had a system he, then he why was won't you go lawful neutral numero uno because he bucked against authority you know he worked underneath the system i mm-hmm. would go straight up neutral he was all about okay again this is dnd if this were palladium <laughs> i would say it aberrant if not anarchist
3: I'd yeah. say aberrant because he brokered a deal with the putative government I'm using putative a lot today he
1: also why. put that guy out to his death
3: so yeah I would say aberrant yeah but he was little and he yelled a lot but whatever <laughs> it's like, I don't it was care. annoying
1: yeah. somewhere between aberrant and anarchist
2: yeah. alright that that rounds out the main part of the cast that we would actually put into if we were to game it so you have a Gabe Matthew, you have a Matthew? story to tell. You have I a think hook? that was everyone. Yep,
3: I'm trying to think back. That's
1: it for the main characters. Yeah, yeah. the bulldog.
3: Well, I was gonna, I
2: was gonna Neutral say sweet. his his, <laughs> his guy his guy in the control room. That was also an NPC. Yeah, to- that's that's why I didn't add him. Although he was very, it was a great character. Yeah, limited lines, but the character itself was great. But he, yeah, total NPC. My hook is
3: called Earth. Welcome to the neighborhood. Humanity doesn't and never has taken threats of invasion well we tend to respond directly and roughly and with overpowering force.
1: The big old middle fingers and dicks waving in the air. Yep.
3: The direct link from the Kaiju dimension was severed at the end of the movie, but the uh, Kaiju collective knows how to reestablish the gate. Jaegers go into full production to prepare for the invasion of the Kaiju dimension. Three years pass. Here's where the PCs come in. That's just history. Okay. The PCs will start as cadets. Preparing to learn to pilot their Jaegers, they will prepare, struggle, and learn the arts in, a game, uh, in an in game boot camp, followed by, hopefully, a graduation. But right as they graduate, indeed, at the ceremony itself, the gate reopens. Yes. Kaiju, 30 of them.
1: Wow.
3: <laughs> pour through, headed for Hong Kong and Seattle, respectively, in an even split 15 and 15.
1: Wait, 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 wait. How many?
3: 30. We're fucked. <laughs> no. No. Uh, head, heading for Hong Kong and Seattle. What class? Uh, four. Wait. At this point, there are 30 Jaegers as well, with more being built at the rate of one a week. This wow. is a, a world. This is a world that system. That likes Jaegers. Yeah. Apparently. Well, they're, I'm, I'm assuming they're being chewed through still. Yes. So. uh The new crew of raw pilots must learn, fight, and contain this new threat. This new threat. The story arc for this, for this is for DMZers only, uh, is, is thus. Uh, here's your setting. Humanity learns from their previous mistakes with the Jaegers and their defense platforms. Massive gun emplacements cover the rift. Very important. Geosynchronous mass driver satellites cover for flying uh, uh, kaijus. Um, fleets of submersibles and Jaeger cover the underwater approaches from the rift. The kaiju are met with overwhelming force at every emergence, not just one per fucking. If you have three and two come out, you send all three. The more you use, the less you lose. That's old, old military wisdom.
1: You might burn through some fuel, but you're yeah. going to make up for yeah,
3: it. And, and 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 you you don't things. have to build another Jaeger. So the PCs have just graduated. The alarm bells ring. The PCs will take a tertiary role in this. their first defense. This is your, there are rats in the basement of the inn. Go down and kill them because we can't get at the ale.
1: We got some class ones yeah. we need to take out.
3: They're basically playing outfielders. They will have a minor combat to blood them. As their comrades fall over the successive months uh, that follow, they'll be promoted to squad leaders, then company leaders. Though, Assuming they survive, they will move up. In in the command structure of the Jaegers, which you're just going to probably have to make up on the fly. Then the kaiju open the gate nonstop. Hundreds pour in, and the battle will begin in earnest. Humanity will struggle to supply ammo, downtime, and basic repairs for the defenses and pilots. But it can be done in a true worldwide effort. This can be contained. Then the word finally comes down. We've had enough. We're losing too much of our resources. Invade the kaiju dimension. Don't blow up the rift. Yeah, Let's go get them. Quit fucking around. They invade. Devil horns. We pour the entire resources down into this hole in the ocean. Oh my and God, we, we invade. Is this a robot dungeon crawl? Wait a sec.
0: Yes!
3: After I'm defeating kidding. the kaiju, which, you know, I'm pro-humanity. We're going to do it. Yeah. Um what? After that... You've uh, been
1: pro-humanity.
3: I am pro. Shut up. Uh, (laughs) I am am in public spaces. Uh, (laughs) After that, it turns out that the kaiju don't control a single gate, but they control a tunable dimensional nexus. Which means the whole of creation is now accessible to a tired, warlike, and blood-soaked humanity.
2: I like this.
3: What will the PCs do? And that's my game hook. It's a very long one. This is not a standalone. This is a campaign. Yeah, definitely.
1: That sounds like an amazing conclusion to an awesome campaign.
3: I like it. I really like it. I think that in a situation like this, the DM should be ready for some give um, Because
1: Define, define
3: uh, give The gimme as in leave them a way out. Because this arc is going to be hard for someone to rebuy into. Okay. Like, if a player falls, they'd obviously start as another cadet, as opposed to someone of, of the level of everyone else.
1: Have you ever played a game where you had a group of players who had main characters and then side characters? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've played with you on that. Yeah. So the idea being that side characters were kind of nurtured as not necessarily NPCs. <laughs> Nurtured as somewhere between the level of NPCs and PCs, they became characters that the party basically controlled or uh, if you've ever played video games like the Suikoden series or the Shining Force series or any of those where you had backup characters that were hanging out at the base waiting to be used. Yeah, yeah. That could work for something like that. You, where You, you have these You could
3: do that, but I, I saw this being played with one system, and I'll let you do the reveal on that. And on that, it just takes so long. It doesn't have to, though. Yeah, but it, if you want to use all the expanded world that they haven't pulled into the new way of doing it yet, it does. Okay, okay. Um, and it's the way I really want to learn to play it. Um, so I saw this as this. this would have to be not... Not a, a TPK kind of DM. It's not it's not an adversarial DM okay. looking to get the party, which is a, a form like Hackmaster is brilliant at that. But the GM
1: has to be willing to allow for heroic
3: sacrifice. Yeah. Right? Oh, of course that that adds to the gaiety of nations. That's just that's just good storytelling. Absolutely. But um, but this this should not be uh, a charnel house event. The charnel house should be going on in the background. And the PC should not be facing it directly.
1: Well, let's hit some themes of this. And these are the themes that are directly connected to both your follow-up and the movie that we've been talking about. Let's start from the end. Death. This is a movie that if we were to make it into a proper gaming experience based on the movie, we need to have an opportunity, an avenue for
3: heroic death. Mm-hmm. Which I love, personally. The the final strike concept. I've always been a huge fan of it. But not
1: even the final strike. Just the character who can die mid-story. The sacrifice. To carry the story on. I love that. Either to carry the story on, I should say, or to end the story in a dramatic way. So we want a, a game system that allows that. We want, I know as you say, the system that we're probably both thinking of doesn't, (laughs) on the surface allow for that but i've got an idea okay what we want a system that can we want a, a gaming system that can allow for characters to just die and be replaced by someone new or to bring in somebody who's already been mentioned to at the last minute fill their spot oh no the bulldog has died. We must bring in the poodle or something like that. It has to be a thing where Now we've got
3: to change our unit patches, when we go out drinking, the girls are not gonna fuck us if we have the poodle on our patch. I'm just saying. Well, as it a,
2: a groomed poodle, it can be a fierce poodle.
1: Arr! And poodles can be fierce, my friend.
2: <laughs> poodles are like the diet coke of fierce. Okay. <laughs> Again, you must know different poodles than I do. <laughs> that was pretty
3: good, Dusty. That Thank was you. all right.
2: <laughs> I have a, uh, every once in a while. I have a.
3: I want to stop dancing, though. I, and I, I agree with your point, but can we just can we just say what we're both thinking? I'm looking
1: we're at. We're going to get to and, it. I uh, want to
2: talk about. Oh. He wants the foreplay to stop. Oh. I'm so, so close.
1: We got. We need I'm to be so able close. to have a game that can allow for heroic sacrifice. <laughs> Agreed. But do so in a way that doesn't stop the flow of the game. We want it to be emotional. We want it to be intense. We want this both the story to feel it and the group to feel it yeah most important to the group we want a system that can do giant goddamn robots yes giant robots are hard to do now you can't do D. you just can't i have never played a d20 system be it d20 modern d20 future d20 classic anything based on DD.
2: agreed i'm sorry agree i will i will agree with you as, as well
1: i've played as many of the Runner ups and the spin offs and the retro clones and the OSR games, none of them do giant robots well.
3: Agreed. But if you were doing a giant robot game defending a rift,
1: we also want a game that's going to allow for play between both giant robot mode and human mode. You mm-hmm. want to be able to have stories that take place on a personal face to face. We're not in our robots. We're in our underwear. We're in our yeah, We're in our We're we're back at headquarters, and we're having dinner. And so we're you'd say the so the PCs
3: scene. would like two different classes.
1: We want a, a game that can facilitate that kind of interaction. Because uh-huh. Pacific Rim, as much as we love the giant robots punching monsters, it's also very heavily. Built upon relationships between the characters.
2: Yes. yes, And many
1: of those relationships are not formed in the robot, they're formed outside. We want the former to inform the latter. I've got some ideas on how to do this. And the first I'm going to talk about is a quick throwaway. I am currently in the middle of writing a game about mecha pilots fighting big giant monsters from space. It's more heavily inspired by Voltron or uh, Gunbuster, or even the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, where you have like a color-coded team who combine their stuff together. But if you think about it, Pacific Rim is all about people combining their brains together to pilot a robot. So it fits that same theme. This game is called Gatai Bushido Fusion. It is based on my other game, Moto Bushido. By the time this airs, there will be a publicly accessible beta test.
2: Oh, awesome. I'll yeah, I'll have I'm a link
1: in, in the in the I'll have a link in the show notes. Please check it out. We're actually going to be playing it at WagonCon coming Sweet. up soon, so I hope you guys
2: both get to experience. It. I would love to. That's Un- why you were looking for Voltron cards.
1: Yes, because my game uses playing cards as the main mechanic instead of dice. It also uses Uno cards.
3: But that's something I <laughs> it? It's the color code. It's the color code.
1: And again, it's heavily based on the Super Sentai style of Japanese action television show stuff. Voltron, you each have a different color. You each have a different thing. Anyway, team-based, working together, combining together to control a giant robot, just like Pacific Rim. Okay. Next, I want to talk about a classic game, Battletech.
3: Battletech. God, I was so horny
2: over mine. I didn't even consider <laughs> Battletech. That's where I, I thought you were gonna go with Battletech.
1: Battletech is a skirmish oh, game why didn't I think of that? with assemblable minis and giant battlefields.
3: Oh, it's so it has a fun.
1: rich culture of people getting in giant mecha suits to fight each other. There's not so much the giant rope giant monsters, but, but you can fight at each it. Other yeah, in robot suits. And there's an attached role playing game called Mech Warrior. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's so easy to take MechWarrior and tie it into the Battletech minis game and to go back and forth. I know other podcasts even talk about this very is heavily. That,
3: is that technically wargaming, though? No. Uh, it's it's That counts as RPG? Yes. Okay.
1: Battletech by itself, with just going by the unit rules, is kind of wargaming.
3: It's like Warhammer. Yeah,
1: Battletech is yeah, it's all miniature based. no longer as popular as it used to be, but the MechWarrior role-playing game is still published and in fact there in fact a Mech- there's a new one isn't there there is yeah mechWarrior classic I think it's, i, I, I think I have of a couple friends yeah. doubted
2: Phoenix that yeah. that still play so.
1: battletech Battletech classic and Mech warrior Classic that game has its own mythology and its own history but it has really solid rules for character development really solid rules for robot construction yeah okay and really and gets good. into
3: the details like if you want to blow coolant to freeze the monster Battletech might be the one. And
1: if you want rules for that, <laughs>
3: Battletech <laughs> will be down one. <laughs> To
1: the temperature of the coolant, then Battletech is probably what you want. And I do want to give an honorable mention to a game that we've talked about previously called The Robotic Age. Oh, yeah. I remember that one. We mentioned this one on the Transformers episode. Yeah. This one, I think, could work just fine. It's got robot rules, robot combat rules, robot fighting. It's got everything you would want. Now, that game is built upon the premise of you actually being a robot. Right. But
3: it could function. You get the job. I, I'd done. say Battletech over However, that. I didn't even consider that. That's such a, I love Battletech.
1: Right. Now, something to think about here is that we have a movie about robots. And those robots are fighting giant monsters from space. And those
3: monsters come through rift. a rift. Yes. <laughs> Do you have it on your shelf? Can I go grab it?
1: And the game that I ultimately, personally, passionately would do.
3: It better be the same or I'm going to freak the fuck out. The game that I want to talk about today.
0: I'm so excited.
1: (laughs) Are you now?
3: Oh my God, I've been waiting for this game. Rift. Yes. Yes, nice. yes. 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 Okay. Finally, <laughs> I stop flirting with this shit. Yes, Rifts is the perfect fucking palladium game to play this in. <laughs> it is literally giant monsters, giant robots through Rift. You're not excited,
2: not at all. No, I'm not vibrating with glee at all. And if you could, if you could see Matthew right now, he is kind of sort of vibrating.
3: It is one of my favorite games of all time. Rifts,
1: I, I can't think of anything better that I would do for Rift than, than yeah. Rifts. I, I respect yeah.
2: it, but I never got into Rifts that much. All right. So at all. in
1: Rifts, you have characters that have basic skills. You're a person. Yeah. You do a thing. You know, one of the character cl- You you have a character class. You have stats you have skills you know it's a classic old school rpg yeah it's been around a long time with a sci-fi post-apocalyptic bent to it
2: i've seen some of the cover work and i love i love the artwork i specifically want to
1: bring attention to rifts chaos earth which is an offshoot of rifts that doesn't take place in the rifts era it takes place in the pre-rifts era And it has giant robots. It has...
3: I'm sorry. Nathaniel, is this on your shelf? Can I go grab it?
1: I don't have it here, (sighs) unfortunately.
3: I'm in the middle of moving. (sighs) Rift
1: is the classic Palladium game. It is the game that most people think of when they think Palladium. Yes. Now, Palladium, for all its faults, for all of its weird anachronisms and its antiquated game system... I fully attest, is a perfectly playable game. It is simple. It is far less complicated than its intimidating facade might make you believe. And to make things even better, there is a homebrew version of it called Microlight Platinum, which streamlines so much of the system and makes it so that you can sit down and make a Palladium character for any of their systems, including Rift's, Without all the bullshit, and you can just start playing.
3: Yeah. Uh, you can take any Palladium character for anything, up to and including Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and drop it into Rifts. Interesting. It is a multiverse. It is a meeting ground of it many It's not systems. a multiverse.
1: It is a mega mega-verse, megaverse. Yes. Trademarked okay. by Palladium. <laughs> One thing that Rifts does is it has a character class called the like the Robot Jock or the Robot Pilot or something like
3: I'm that. I'm playing a glitter boy, final answer.
1: And you, Glitter get, Boy, mm-hmm. is that a real thing? Yep, the Glitter Boy is mm-hmm. a suit of power
3: armor that with a big ass gun and like the rocket propelled things that shoot into the ground, so you can fire this big ass gun without Jesus. going ass over tea kettle over the mountain range. All okay. right,
1: let's talk a little bit about what Rifts is. Rifts is a post apocalyptic role playing game, it is set on Earth, actually, by the default core book, it's set in North America. Mm-hmm. It is set in a post-apocalyptic setting. It is hundreds, if not thousands of years after some kind of an apocalypse happened. Okay. Ley lines erupted across the Earth. Strange, extra-dimensional terrors came through. Parts of the world were just, just completely destroyed, reformed by magical and extra-dimensional energies that changed the very surface of the planet. Atlantis rose from the ocean. A dimensional rift has opened at every intersection of ley lines, strange creatures and monsters, dinosaurs, aliens, dragons, fantasy worlds. Everything has now converged. Yeah. rifts, elves, orcs, ogres,
3: and dragons.
1: There was, that was something the same time. that happened in the late 22nd, 23rd century or something. I forget what the timeline. They don't really tell you because the concept of Rift's
2: Earth is that nobody actually knows what happened.
3: Yeah, it's just magic turned back on. These ley
2: lines erupted and opened gates. So is, is that in the same sense as, say, Shadowrun? Because Shadowrun had that same that same thing, like magic just returned. Add 500 years to
1: Shadowrun. Okay, yeah. cool. All add, right. add 500 years and a world-changing, destroying apocalypse. Okay, so the
2: reason why I never got into Rift was because as a kid, everybody that I grew up with, they wanted to stick to... Dungeons and Dragons. I had that one friend that wanted to do Palladium, but it was always so in-depth that, that by the time we got done with a character, the Friday night was done and we were in the Saturday morning. Rifts. We did is, GURPS though. We did gurps from time to time. Rifts
1: is Dungeons and Dragons plus laser guns and power armor on Earth.
2: Mecha.
3: It's it's yeah. okay. it's a mecha game. So you can you can play a D and D style campaign in Rifts.
1: You have characters like the Cyber Knight. They mm-hmm. are paladins of order who have match who have like psionic blades that come out of their magical armor. You can play some dude who does nothing but ride a horse and shoot a bow. Yeah. You can play somebody who actually has no skills whatsoever and is tagging along with the group. They call them vagabonds. You can play a glitter boy. Glitter boys are gigantic reflective suits of power armor with a massive gun on the shoulder
3: that's the glitter because okay. it dispenses lasers yeah okay you could it's play not it. actually glitter
1: boy yeah, i didn't think so <laughs> rogue scholars rogue scientists those are actually operators.
3: really fun to play and they have the most they skills. would be in this movie
1: this movie has all of the trappings of a basic rifts game minus the post
3: apocalypse this is while the apocalypse is happening, this, this is, is the opening of the rift.
1: Yeah. The, the rift has opened and the apocalypse is happening. And we have giant robots, which Rifts has rules for. Okay. We have robot jocks, which Rifts has rules for. We have a pair of scientists, which Rifts has, has, has rules for.
2: for.
3: Okay. Go. I mean, yeah. It's, it's this game. I, I'm glad you gave um, Battletech a mention because good on you for that. But this is so Rifts.
1: I can't think of a game that I've ever played that does robot giant robot combat better than yeah. the experiences that i've had in rifts and i say this as somebody who's played mini indie games many tabletop games many skirmish games something about rolling a handful of dice for your missile volley then rolling a handful of dice for your chest laser then rolling a die for your wrist blade then rolling a die for your jetpack power slam now,
2: okay so i have a question yeah. because i haven't played rifts is that you can do that all in one turn, like you announce, "I'm going to use my my, laser, my my shoulder cannon, my chest cannon, and I'm lobbing out missiles from someplace else on my mech." So you would roll one set of die, and then the GM would say, "Okay, roll for your your other set, and then roll for your other set."
1: So here's where we get to the complication of rifts. <laughs> With rifts, your did combat. I just do a party foul and oh, kill no, the party? No no,
3: no, no, it's it's fair because it's so beautiful, but rifts
1: as we've mentioned before, is a Palladium game. And Palladium games are difficult to learn because they're not actually written to be learned. Palladium is a game that is best played if you were taught it by somebody who learned it down the line eventually from Kevin Cambia to
3: himself. I, I will break in real fast and say that Rifts actually builds itself as an advanced role-playing game. It, it's right in the very beginning that if you are a first-time player, Go play something and then come back.
1: And by advanced, that means we didn't feel like writing all these rules down. <laughs> Fuck, are <they> really... <laughs> so
2: are there, with Rifts, are there a lot of just like homegrown rules, house rules? Oh, or yeah. Okay, so mm-hmm. if I were to play with, say, Matthew on a, on a Rifts campaign and then, you know, jump for joy that I love that and then come and play with you, I might find that what I was doing in his campaign is completely different than what I can Absolutely. and can't do. Yeah. So oh, that example, sucks. For
1: example. Let's say you're playing a giant robot. You have a missile, and that missile does 17d4 damage, damage at a range of 1,000 feet. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> all right. 17d4 damage at oh, a range of 1,000 feet. 7 mega damage. D. Damn. Right, hold on. 17d4 damage, range of 1,000 feet. You get but, huge dice collections. But yeah. that's all that's written down. Okay. That's it. It doesn't
3: say. To strike. It doesn't say what you're rolling against. It Yeah. Oh wow. It's so they leave a lot to just
2: interpretation. Yeah.
3: And it's taking it against its mega damage, right? Okay. So (laughs) here's here's where shit gets complex. Like let's say two PCs are arguing over some piece of loot and they decide that it's going to come to blows. So the DM can't fudge this because we have two character sheets right in front of us. So I go, well, I fire off a volley of missiles at you. And you go, I dodge. And everyone stops, and they look at their books, and they say, well, I see a skill called dodge. How do I use it? Um, yeah. Uh, dodge, dodge. Increases dodge chance. All right, what, what am I rolling at? 5%? The
1: problem oh, here is I see. Okay, the I rules see. do a shitty job of explaining themselves. Yeah. So if you have been taught how to play rifts, you already know how to resolve this situation. If you are buying the books, you're in for a nightmare of page references because Kevin C. Mbada is terrible when it comes to referencing his own rules. There's almost never an index. Wow. And frequently the rules that you need are actually in the third book and only mentioned as an afterthought. That's the problem with
2: Palladium Games. I would hurt someone for that. I would literally find someone to hurt. A lot of people have been hurt <laughs> over that. So you're, you homebrew.
1: You're in luck. There's a version of Rifts done, licensed officially
3: in I am Savage honestly Worlds. really excited about that.
1: Savage Worlds is one of my favorite gaming systems. I've written for Savage Worlds, I've run Savage Worlds. It's the game that I know more than any other game. Savage Rifts is awesome. I would not run Savage Rifts for this. I know this. You, you want Sorry. the
3: classic because you want all the expanded universe. Shit. I want okay, thank you for the expanded
1: stuff. I want the extended rules. I want the individual <laughs> robot mega damage yes. capacity Dusty, total. There,
3: uh, there is. God, I want to say forty books and. Like easily eighty micro books okay. on rifts called the Rifter. Yeah. Uh, it was like a periodical that came no, out.
1: It is a periodical. It is still yeah. in publication.
3: Um so then there's more than eighty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> because it's been going since what, eighty nine? I don't know. Okay.
1: It rifts is the most supported game system in history
3: it had to be because no one knew how to fucking play it and it is still in <laughs>
1: publication he is yeah. still popping out books he has never released the second edition and he never will why yeah. He's because that's how kevin cmbeta is he has a game system that has worked for him and his groups and his fans since the late 80s and he's going to keep publishing books for it
2: so if it's and not if it's not broke don't fix it godspeed yeah. to him okay well, I, can I, respect I will say that.
1: that savage rift is a game that i kick-started However, I would run Savage. I, I would run, run Rift yeah. for this because when it comes to giant robots, Savage Rifts does not give anywhere near the level of satisfaction that Rift's core does, launching volleys of 30 <laughs> missiles, five turbo lasers, and a power
2: punch at the same time. Okay, you so just I have a,
1: don't have that satisfaction. I have a question,
2: I have a question on, on 30 missiles. Do you drop a dice bomb, and that's like you you hit with X and you get damage on those, or do you have to roll damage for each single missile? <sighs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> that look that I just gave Dusty. <laughs> no, I never want to play this game now. Fuck it's that. so no. good, though. <laughs> it's, I don't care how pretty it looks. No, I'm... It's, no, it's, uh-uh, it's, it's, uh-uh. it's like
3: that drink at the bar where you're going, he just picked up Sambuca Bailey's curse Curacao? What what is he doing with that tea bag? And he's shaking all this shit together, and you're like, "This is going to taste like death." And you're like, "Oh, it's light and cinnamony. This is delicious." And (laughs) all the ingredients are wrong. It's just like that. Everything is wrong, but it's so good.
1: That is the best description of riffs I've ever (laughs) heard. That's kind of awesome.
3: (laughs) It's it, it, it when you're looking at it and you're looking at it being made, you're like, "Oh, this is going to be awful," but it's not, and it's brilliant and glorious and you actually get to spend time on your turn which is something i very much like in gaming so i'm going to give you a
1: breakdown of how the rift's actions work in combat
3: please do hey listeners listen up because you may never hear this again
1: (laughs) you have a combat round like you would expect in any standard role-playing game and on your round you get an action And then it goes around and around and around. You roll initiative, you act, they act, your friend act, you act, they act, your friend acts, and so on. However, in Rift and all the Palladium games, you have a number of actions per round. So on your turn, you get X number of actions. Now, everybody's got their own way of handling it. But from what I understand, the default way of handling it is as such. It's your turn. You have eight actions on your turn. Okay, Jesus. All right, first action. I'm gonna fire a volley of missiles. They fire off. You roll a die that to see. How many of them yeah, yeah. You roll a die to see how many of them hit, and then you roll whatever the damage, and then you just multiply it because we want to move this along. So okay. you, bam, they hit. Now your opponent, they also have eight actions. So now they're gonna spin one of their actions to do a counterattack. So they fire another volley of missiles at you.
3: I'm going to go ahead and make the sucking in sound into a whoosh.
2: Because <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounded more like tentacles and, and grabbing missiles.
1: You roll and then they roll. And uh-huh. then you roll and then they roll. Now, they might also get a defensive roll. But when it comes to missiles, you can't fucking dodge missiles.
2: It, it kind of yeah. sounds like we're going to play this game called let's see who can hit the hardest.
1: That's what fucking robot combat <laughs> yeah,
2: is. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Seriously, you watched Pacific
3: Rim. But it, here's the thing. It's completely different the moment you step out of power armor. It's a whole different yeah. system.
1: Okay. The moment you step out of your armor, it's please don't hit me. Please don't hit me. Please don't hit me. Because <laughs> everything
3: around <laughs> you, It's I've explained this before on the podcast, so I'll just brush it fast. But it's structural damage capacity, yeah. hit points, and mega damage capacity. A structural damage is... 1,000 of those to one mega damage point. Okay. Yeah. 100. 1,000. 100. Am I wrong? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 100. Still, it's a bunch.
1: Listeners, correct us, please.
3: Yes. So it's,
1: it requires a stomach. Yeah. For playing A little bit of and, fortitude. And, and, and
3: also, it also requires a lot of thought. Like when somebody else is doing something, you are thinking you're
2: planning your actions You're it, not it's, it's not you just start. okay because i know and dnd when people are, when you're going around a table you've got a party of yeah. eight
3: you're not sitting you can, there eating your cheetos
2: yeah, and checking you your, check your phone, phone.
3: you're yeah. planning your shit okay.
1: you're, you're like i don't really know what's about to happen so i'm paying attention to what's going on because whatever this guy does might just fuck me
3: that's a really interesting point i think one of the things i love most about palladium specifically and robotech and riffs in general is the amount of punishment a player character gets for tuning out. Which which makes your group avid and they're hanging on every word and they're thinking all the time.
1: It also involves the player in the defense. Mm-hmm. When you're attacked, you don't just take the damage. Okay. Okay. It's like you spend your action being running, attacked. dodging. Now you could try to dodge or parry or roll with the blow. You're given options that engage you as an active player even when it's not your turn and that's pretty
3: cool. Yeah, like you don't that. just sit there and absorb when you're not when it's not your round.
1: So and one thing that people think about who come from D&D is, you know, with D&D you get an action and that's it. I attack, I miss. It's your turn. With Palladium you get multiple actions on your turn. So it's your turn, how are you going to spend your five actions? Okay? Okay, what your opponent gets that too. So they it, 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 it's a... I'll be the monster. It's, it's I breathe fire. It's a breakdown in translation because people come from D&D expecting combat rounds that last six seconds. In Palladium, combat rounds last one minute. Yeah. And oh, in uh, that okay. minute, a lot of things are happening. So people are like, oh, combat just doesn't move fast. No, it actually does. It's just not moving at a six seconds per turn thing. On your turn, you're actually getting far more ability than you would think in a D round
3: and you don't just tune out at the end of you your don't turn tune out that's good because shit's still happening and you can still affect the ongoing story we are probably the only
1: podcasters who are consistently proselytizing at the teats kevin, uh, <laughs> kevin <laughs>
3: sambieta send us stuff <laughs>
1: Palladium Rifts is the game that I would run if I was going to do Pacific Rim. All you have oh, to do is yeah. trim down the character classes to Robot Jock, mm-hmm. and that's it. Robot and Jock, Scientist, and, scientist and, and boom. Oh, we've got these five robots. Okay, we're going to fight some giant monsters. Yeah. You don't have to run the whole post-apocalyptic thing. You can run
3: it in the Rifts
1: Chaos Earth setting. There's cool. enough there. Go for
3: it. It's... Guys, I want to talk about Kevin Long for a second. <laughs> yes. The guy who does all the illustrations for early. Uh, he doesn't do it anymore.
1: Not all of them. CMB Edda did yeah, yeah. some art too. But,
3: uh, and his is actually really good for a writer. Oh, I mean, yeah. like amazing. But Kevin Long does these amazing black and white and occasionally like poster quality uh, prints. And they're just scattered throughout all the early um, Palladium books. And like I said, you can still pick them up for pretty damn dirt cheap. If you ever get the chance to pick up a pla- an early Palladium book, just just flip it up, flip yeah. it open, look through the art, and you will understand why 12-year-old Matthew went.
2: <sighs> I, I will say I, I remember looking at a lot of the art when I was younger, and I always did like the artwork. Yeah.
3: Play and then you'll find yourself really spending the $10 to buy the book because, I mean, fuck it, what's $10? Then you'll be reading the book and then you'll be right where I am with a mountain of Palladium books and no one to play them with. So seriously, buy them so we can play together.
1: Rifts. It's what I would do. And specifically old school rifts, original rifts, not the Savage Rifts for this.
3: I haven't compared and contrasted. I just know that... It, <clears throat> excuse me i just know that it exists
1: for a robot versus a monster i think rifts pulls it off way better than savage worlds does it just it has you feel that tangible connection to the game that you just don't get savage worlds doesn't have that visceral feeling it's more pulpy and yeah. this is definitely more of a visceral gotcha. punching a goddamn monster in the face game i like that yeah So
3: riffs, I'm 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 fucking thrilled. (laughs) I've been waiting for this. I mean, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, when we did that one, that was a great episode and I loved it. And we got to do a Palladium game and I was excited. But that was not that has never been the Palladium game to me. Sure. And they don't have a Robotech movie, so I'll never get a chance to do that. So it's Riffs is always, always love. So much love.
1: Any last words, folks?
2: Bye Riffs. I would like to learn rifts. I can loan you a book.
1: We can make this happen, Dusty. We can
2: make this happen. I'm down for it, and I'll just put it's it in the list of everything else that I'm doing. The knowledge
1: <laughs> that we have attained, passed down from Simbira himself.
3: You know, I, I would... Kevin's lore, be I, praised! I would I would really like to play in a riffs game with you. I know you'll probably never run one, because you're... Out running more of the the fringe games and the the cutting edge of games. I could run some
1: goddamn rips, my friend. Fuck, let's I'd, do it, I'd,
3: man. I would,
2: I would love to get in on that. But I run core rules only. That's fine. So you I have, just I have, have a, to have teach me as we go, every step of the way. So
3: can can I can I bring my Robotech book?
2: No, oh, sorry, I don't want to play anymore. Core rules. I kind rules of figured only. that was covered with that. Yeah. <laughs>
3: It is core rules. I mean, it's mentioned but, no, in the book. Robotech. No, Robotech. Robotech. No, no, Robotech. no, no,
1: Robotech. no, no, no. Okay. We would need the conversion book for that and core
3: rules. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Glitter boy it is.
2: Rogue scientist. I like that. Cool. You can stand behind my glitter boy.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's what they do. The yeah. glitter boy is there. Make sure, to just make sure you're still tank. running. Okay. I typically always play like the the support character style. It's an
1: extremely unbalanced game. But it's the kind of game that was built in this mentality that the balance is what the GM brings to the game. You you can have a vagabond and a rogue scholar and a glitter boy and a combat cyborg in the same party. The idea being, you don't expect the rogue scholar, the vagabond, to contribute to combat the same way. You expect them to carry the torch off screen or not, not even off screen just on a different
3: screen yeah eventually outside of combat you stay in that armored personnel carrier and don't you poke your nose out
1: that glitter boy is going to have to power down they just can't stay in it they got to get out to pee they got to get out to which brings
3: us back to the diapers and
1: they are also a person the glitter boy is not just the armor and if it if you're playing palladium if you're playing rifts and your character is nothing but the sum of their armor (laughs) then you're not doing it right yeah that character has a personality that character is Mako mori or jack's teller they have a name they have intentions they have goals that have nothing to do with their armor they are people and you should play them this an
3: stage. interesting note is that uh the world has been broken and america specifically which is mostly in the core rule book uh, has been broken into uh, city-state protectorates, okay. like Northern Gun. Uh, there's one for Texas. There's
1: there's the future Nazis called the Coalition. Oh, those yeah.
3: bastards. But they do have the coolest armor. They have the coolest armor. <laughs> they, they sure know how to dress. They, the bad oh guys always God.
1: look the coolest. We learned. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, did Nazis. Hugo Boss
3: <laughs> stop making clothes? <laughs> we learned this from the Nazis. Uh, we learned this from Cobra.
1: Yeah. And the Coalition is no exception.
3: Is there a G.I. Joe role-playing game? I'm sure there probably. is.
1: If, if there isn't, there
2: should be. If not, you could probably use any number of systems. I
1: imagine Savage Worlds will acquire the license at some point in the near future, because they are overwhelmed with licenses as it is. Yeah. On that note, we should close this out. Bye, Rifts. Hi,
3: everybody. I was Matthew.
1: And I'm Dusty. And I'm Nathaniel. And still, by Rifts. Bye, Rifts.
2: This was Pacific Rim.
3: <laughs> yeah, Pacific Rim and I'm um, sorry, I forgot the name of the game. What was it again? Rifts.
2: Riffs. say it Dusty
3: say Riffs. it say it alright thanks for listening everybody we'll see you next time
1: thanks for listening to another episode of our show we're still pretty new to the seed and we'd love to get your feedback if you like what you hear please leave us a review on iTunes with your thoughts good or bad they really help us get the word out if you want to say hello drop us a line on all of the usual social media sites you can find the links right there in the show notes. You can also leave us a comment on our website at havemovieswillgame.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Have Movies Will Game is a Breakfast Puppies podcast production, and our episodes are distributed under CC ND 4.0 license. Our opening theme is Rock and Gravel by Sid Valentine's Patent Leather Kids with introductory narration provided by Isaac Scher.